Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at AllianceSafetyCouncil.org and by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world. From Mansers on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge, we're out to lunch with editor of the Baton Rouge Business Report, Stephanie Regal. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. Workplace accidents cost American companies some $60 billion every year, more than a billion dollars a week. And that's not including lost productivity, the implementation of corrective measures, or the cost of training replacement employees. But these costs are actually going down, thanks to better training and more proactive safety measures that come from both the public and private sectors. Joining me to discuss some of this is Kathy Trahan, President and CEO of the Alliance Safety Council, a 60-year-old agency that trains workers to meet federal OSHA regulations. But what's really cool about the Alliance Safety Council is that under Kathy's leadership over the past 15 years, this nonprofit organization has grown from an agency of 11 employees and a $5,000 deficit to an $18 million organization with 110 employees and four sites. It's done this at least in part by monetizing its online training programs and selling them to companies and other safety councils around the country using a pay-per-view model. The council's technology department has grown so big, in fact, it recently bought a new building here in Baton Rouge on Segan Lane to house its programmers and their growing operation. Kathy, it's really an impressive story. Thanks for being here today on Out to Lunch. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, We're excited about the Emerging Technology Center. It's one of the things that uh, we have been really looking forward to sharing with your audience. Wonderful. We look forward to hearing about it. Joining me and Kathy is Jamie Glass, who is helping make the industrial workplace safer for women, at least, through her company, Autwork, which makes designer flame-resistant clothing for women. Jamie is an engineer by training and didn't set out to be a fashion designer. But as a college intern on her first job site, a refinery in Bakersfield, California, Jamie put on a fire-resistant jumpsuit and thought to herself, we can do better than this. Jamie launched her company in late 2016. Today, instead of bulky coveralls, it offers streamlined standalone jumpsuits in four styles that highlights women's body types with an assortment of lengths and cuts. The garments come in 16 colors. They are super looking because you're wearing one modeling it. You'd make anything look cute, but they really are are much better than I think what you would typically find in a factory. So it's a great story. Thanks for being here with us today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Yeah, I I wear them every day. I mean, (laughs) you you get confidence from what you're wearing, you know, and that helps you work better. So it's great. Happy to wear it. And it's 
appropriate LSU goals. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kathy, I'm going to come back to you. You started out as an entrepreneur. You ran several small businesses, a carpet cleaning company, a balloon business. Then you needed more job security and benefits. So you went back to school and got certified as an instrument specialist. So you really know what the inside of an industrial workplace is like. How did you end up at the Alliance Safety Council? Well, working at PPG as an operator and an instrument specialist, I was also lucky enough to be part of the emergency squad. And um, in learning, each month we had eight hours worth of training, and I was very involved in giving feedback on training and figuring out what training was going to be most successful uh, for the our co-employees and our peers. So when they asked me to participate in the Gulf Coast Process Technology Alliance developing operator training and instrument tech training, I went as a subject matter expert. And for six years, I worked with the Houston Ship Channel as well as the Lake Charles facilities to standardize process operator training. That led me to teaching those courses at the university, both at McNeese State University and then running the Petrochemical Training Center at Baton Rouge Community College. And that was just a lead into this particular position. It became available and it and, interested me. And the Alliance Safety Council, it trains people to go into workplaces, the same kind of workplaces where they might be wearing Jamie's fire retardant suits. Exactly. Uh, industrial chemical sites. Right. The The industrial facilities require, because they're process safety, man, OSHA process safety management facilities, the refineries and the chemical plants, they're required to learn about any hazards that might be in the facility. So the plants got together and said, rather than reteaching every time you switch from one facility to another, mm. let's come up with a standardized training where someone can take it with them, sort of as an English 101. You know, you allow right. that to move between different Louisiana Community and Technical College system um, co um, institutions. So now what we've done is that we've set up the training so and the technology so that it follows the worker as opposed to only being with the company. It's their training jacket. They can take it with them wherever they go and it minimizes redundant training and just in the last eight years has saved industry more than seven million dollars just is, in redundant training. That is fantastic. Now, Jamie, you also came from a very different background than, than what you're doing now. I mean, you started as an engineer, and, and even after that first time you put on the jumpsuit and realized that you wanted to improve the look, you went back and you worked as an engineer for several years before launching this company. How did you make the jump? And, and were you thinking this over in your mind for those several years while you were working in the field? Definitely. It was always a, it was always in the back of my mind. Um, I, I think, and I, I gave a speech at the LSU College of Engineering this year, I think, the, being an engineer means finding a problem and solving it, yeah. um, whether it's you know a problem prescribed to you by your boss or just a problem like having FRCs that you trip over because they don't fit you in the crotch <laughs> or in you know in the legs and things like that. That that's the problem most women have, and that's the problem I had as like a petite person. So um, so you know I always had it as like kind of a side project. I just set out to make myself a pair that fit. You know, and as soon as I did that, my coworkers and other women I worked with said, we want some, too. So um, you literally, you, you modeled your own that you made, yeah. like, at home or with the help of a friend? Yeah, no, with, with the help of a seamstress. Okay. But um, I, I can sew a little bit, but not, like, a full suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we, we put this together and kind of tailored different things and did a lot of research and, and came up with the prototype, and then I started wearing it. I got my boss's permission, of course. And then, because um, all of the, I mean, it took years to 
to research all the different flame-resistant fabrics and components and sure. all the OSHA regulations that you had to abide by. And then we had to get everything UL or Underwriters Lab certified. So, And then, like, I see you have certain zippers and, and pockets yeah, in certain places. Pocket. So that's all regulation, I suppose, yes, right? That yeah. all has to be there. Yeah, we try This suit in particular, we added as much utility as possible um, so you can have pockets to put things. But um, what's funny, like, to relate to Kathy is the first store we ever shot or sold through was the Houston Area Safe, Safety Council. So I'm kind of – and they gave me a big tour, so I'm, I'm like – familiar with safety councils and I recently just heard about the one here and I hadn't seen it so that's fantastic now now would that be something I mean would the Alliance Safety Council here like provide this as a resource or or connect say your industry companies to a company like Jamie's that sells really cool stuff for females in the field well Stephanie as you can imagine there are thousands of safety vendors and um, we really can't show any Mm. preference to any one vendor uh, we certainly we do have a Louisiana Governor Safety and Health Conference once a year where we have exhibitors, and we actually had an, an exhibitor with the um, women's suits and gloves, and uh, see her work. I think was yeah. was the uh, name of the company. So they, I don't think they do everything that you yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. So but. it it but they did the female size gloves and more um you know harnesses and better fitting uh clothes yeah so we do like to make sure that our members know about what's available and what's up and you know new and up and coming technologies and trends so we're always utilizing the louisiana governor safety and health conference in order to share best practices with our members and and is the alliance safety council similar to safety councils in other states or are they similar to y'all or are we one of the older ones safety councils generally mirror the um industry in their particular area so for instance if you're in california it might be motorcycle safety if you're in florida it's mature drivers so if you're in the port cities and across the gulf coast region there's a huge concentration of refineries petrochemical facilities power generating facilities it really follows the um, ability for someone to build transport ship and have access to cooling tower water to run their facilities. So there's a big concentration all the way from Corpus Christi, Texas to Pensacola, Florida. Mm-hmm. And we have over um, 75 plants just within our, you know, the close five parishes closest to Baton Rouge. Houston has over 125 in their facilities. So Houston's actually the largest council in the country. We're the second largest but the most diversified. And and are they required to buy in, or is it just like best practices for them to, to when I say buy in, I mean be a member of, of the safety council? No. Uh, generally, if you have 50 employees or more, it's to your benefit because sure. you get discounts on training, uh, access to our content development team that builds your new hire orientation for your contractor. It also gives access to our um IT solutions team that helps integrate with your learning management system or your records management system, whatever that happens to be. And in addition to that, we've got um, other services, for instance, car seat installs. We do car seat installations um, for whoever the care provider of care is for the child. 
Uh, we also do Adventures in Safety Land, a, a summer program for five, six, and seven-year-olds, teaching them to be backseat drivers for their parents. So don't text and drive and a lot of other uh, information. So we <laughs> that's do that. fantastic. No, that's so cool. And I'm, and I'm really interested in, in, in your model and, and how you've grown it. Um, Jamie, I wanted to ask you a little bit about how you've grown your company over the years since you came up with this really cool design. Um, how, how broad is your reach? What is your market now? How many customers? How yeah. many units have you sold? So we, we really only started selling in January of this year. So, so you're brand new. Yeah, so we say established yep. last summer, but it was still kind of like pre-orders, finding manufacturing. That was the biggest struggle for sure. Um, and so we started selling every, you know, couple sales first month, every month has doubled. Um, right now we're selling a couple hundred a month. So, That's pretty good. Yeah, we, we just, um, we, we're signing more company contracts versus just selling directly. Okay. Um, mostly, I'd say, smaller companies, you mm -hmm. know, that, and, and that goes So when you ways. say company, do you mean you're selling directly to a company like, in, like a plant or an industry, or you're selling to a, a retailer that sells safety garb? Directly to a plant or a upstream oil and gas company, yeah, yeah, for yeah. example, or frat company or something. Um, we actually, when we went to market, we said, we're just going to try all the avenues, whether it's direct, retail, distributors. Um, the industry itself is much more, um, it, it's a distributor type industry. Sure. So, I you know, imagine. these big Grangers and Cintas and all these companies, um, those are, it's hard for a small startup to get in and like have the resources to fulfill orders that way. And um, you know, we do all of our manufacturing in the U.S., not overseas, which we want to continue. So it's more of a niche kind of thing. Um, you know, we, d we do custom inseams and things like that. That's why it's more of a, you know, quote-unquote designer or high-end product. <laughs> Is it a um, lot more expensive if I went to work at a plant and wanted to buy one of your nice-looking suits versus the standard issue? Yeah, so, so a, these run for, like, anywhere from 170 to 190 200 Um Typically, it's like 150, maybe. You know, it's not it's definitely so worth much the extra more. money. Yeah, it's not. It is more, but it's not. You know, triple times or something like that. Um, and generally, yeah. the plan has a budget yeah, for exactly. each individual for shoes and for uh, their FRC. So what we started finding, and this was a bar kind of like a marketing bargaining chip, is um, I did. I was doing surveys to all of our customers, like, how did you buy it? Was it a was it a, a budget or did you just get reimbursed? And most of them were saying we just spent our own money on it and that was like a telltale sign of us like well these people just like their companies aren't necessarily listening to them that mm -hmm. they need a better option so they're just going out and spending their own money and and that's kind of not really i don't think how a company would want to um kind of treat its employees right. so so that's that's been why now companies are coming in um we just signed a contract last week for 100 employees and that's just you know, they might order several pairs, so. And, and do you, is there a lot of competition out there? For um, what so you do, or are y'all the only one? We were the first, for sure. And then um, See Her Work, I think, popped up in September of this year. Um, there's a couple of, an, another girl in Houston reached out to me, starting her own flame-resistant clothing line. Mm. Um, and we were trying to see if we, I'm a collaborative person, so yeah, I yeah. like, you know, anytime I hear about people, I'm like, hey, do y'all want to just like all <laughs> join forces? Because it's, it's a hard business to be in. It's, sure. It's very hard. It's very male-dominated. Um, and there, these companies have been around for 20 years plus. And so a newcomer to come in and kind of create a splash is, um, you know, frowned upon. They, they don't like it. Yeah. The, the traditional companies, they want to 
run the table. So, um, yeah, we, I, I like to work together with these people, and so we're trying to kind of see how, how we can do that. And, and you're doing this full-time now. You've left engineering to run this company. Yeah, I um, With I how am, many employees? Uh, we only have – I'm the only full-time one. We have two more that are working kind of part-time, and then we're okay. actually looking for an intern. I was going <laughs> to say that. So if you're an LSU student and want to come intern um, in the spring, but – yeah, we're, we're, we're now, look, and you asked about the growth. Um, I think where we're at right now is, you know, we're, we've reached the point where we're at full capacity for like our small niche manufacturing facility and what we're doing. So we need to take it to the next level. Yeah. Um, so we're looking at different options, whether it's partner with an existing manufacturer that has 100 employees, you know, that can like really bring this to the next level. Um, if it's licensing our pattern to, you know, some of the companies here that already exist. Or it sounds like a Shark Tank like episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it is, I guess. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. I'm talking to Jamie Glass of Hot Work and Kathy Trahan of the Alliance Safety Council. Now, speaking of growth, Kathy, the thing that I think is so interesting about the Alliance Safety Council is how y'all have really taken your training programs and, and monetized those and grown those, put them online and sold them to other councils, as I mentioned when I was introducing you, and, and other companies, of course. Tell us a little bit about that, and who, who are your programmers, and, and who teaches them what, what kind of you know content to create? Was this all your idea? Well, um, when I arrived 14 years ago, we were still doing a lot of things manually. Mm -hmm. um, and so I saw my background in electronics, the interest in technology. I was sure we could um, expedite a lot of the processes. So we started looking at, we knew that there were some of the training that we couldn't shorten, but we knew that we could expedite the steps between the processes, the registration process, the printing process, um, getting things done before they even got to our facility, allowing the contractors to start entering information before they even came to our facility to get everything done ahead of time. So all they had to do when they, sh when they showed up at the window was to give their identification, take a picture, and start their training. So what we did is we took a model that the petrochemical industry had the foresight to say we need to eliminate redundant training and create reciprocity. We took that model and we completely saturated the local market. All of the plants participated. The contractors were required to come to our facility. The industry didn't want the fox guarding the hen house. They didn't want the contractors doing their own safety training. They wanted to ensure that they would have standardized training yeah. uh, across the board and that when you took training at one location and you moved to another plant, they knew exactly what you knew. So they also knew what you didn't know and knew where they had to you know, supplement sure. that training. Training. So we took that model that had worked so well and had helped decrease incident and injury rates, and we um, adopted it and adapted it for the power industry. So last year we did over 276,000 training units wow. across the country for power, the energy sector. So Duke Energy is one of our big customers, and um, Entergy, and sure. their Westar, and there's a lot of other ones. So we took that model. And we took it a step further and said, we have a technology team. We've built sort of a school. You register, you take their photo ID, you, you uh, run their training, you set up their computers. So we took that model and we sold the whole system 
to the paper and pulp industry. So there's an association that we are the man behind the curtain or the woman behind the curtain. <laughs> so we are doing all the technology, building all the courses, and they are the face to the customer. And this is going on all around the country. That's though, correct. Using, right. And so as I mentioned at the beginning, y'all recently bought a new building where you're going to be doing a whole type of new training there, much more immersive training that's going to diversify the courses and the curricula that you offer to your clients. Tell us a little bit about that. We bought on the corner of Industrioplex behind Mid-South Bank and Segan Lane, we bought the building there that used to be Sky Zone Trampoline Park, and we've gutted it, and what uh, we're doing there is we're going to be working with augmented reality, virtual reality, um, Internet of Things, other types of um, design thinking and other types of technology that are going to add to our students and our contractors' ex learning experiences, as well as increase productivity, um, create ways of saving time and expediting uh, productivity. Our industry, construction as a whole, it's got more complex, but the time on tools has not increased over the last 50 years. It still is below 50%. Y'all have both touched on, on something mentioned just sort of in passing, being in a man's world or, you know, a, a male-dominated industry. And y'all both are very much in a male-dominated industry. How has that colored your experience, made it more difficult to launch or grow your business, or, or even as a, as a young, pretty engineer in a plant? I mean, I can imagine. You must I have used to be like young and pretty. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. I'm 60 now, but I used to be young and pretty. I can talk about from memory. I'm 30 in a month, so. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, I mean, do, is it a barrier or a hindrance? Is it? I, you know, I always looked at it just as another challenge, and I think a lot of the women in industries, I'm sure Kathy is this way, that are male-dominated love challenges. You know, obviously everything you've said today has been like, you know, overcoming challenges and stuff. So it's not as much like, oh man, I'm gonna like let this affect me or like or mm -hmm. anything. It's just I'm gonna get, I'm gonna work alongside these men and and prove myself, and then they'll. But you still respect feel me. today in 2018 that it is very much a male-dominated world. Oh yes, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think in I your think, industry. At yeah, least. I think the oil and gas industry. It's gotten better for sure. And I when I as I said I was speaking to the LSU Engineering College, it literally looked like 50 50 men women to me wow um and but they're 10 years younger than me you know going and that was different now. even than when you were in school. oh yeah i mean i graduated my class had almost 100 and i think there was maybe like 15 girls wow um in petroleum engineering so right. and that's definitely one of the more male dominated engineerings of all of them i mm -hmm. think chemical engineering that my year was much more Diverse, balanced yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah no I, I i think it's getting better and i think that all the you know there's tons of initiatives and just people that are trying to promote that mm -hmm. um so anything that we can do i mean i love talking to young girls i was talking to a girl yesterday she's five and she said so i heard you're a engineer but you're also a fashion designer and i was like yeah i guess <laughs> and she was like well i want to be an astronaut a fashion designer, and an athlete. Oh, and I was wonderful. like, great, you can. Yeah. You can be all of those right. things, you know? So I love talking to kids and young yeah. girls, especially, about, you know, joining this industry one day. No, that's great. What do you think, Kathy, with respect to the? Well, it's been 30 years. Um, when, I was, when I started working as an operator and an instrument specialist, we had 1,200 
people in the facility and only a handful of women. Mm -hmm. And I think the important part is your attitude and it's, you should not expect any special treatment. If you want to work when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So if you want um, to do the work, then you need to know what the expectation is, what the environment is, pull your own weight, and you will find that when you do that and behave in that way that they will help you, mm-hmm. that they will lean into whatever work and engage you. So your attitude is 90% of the battle working in a male-dominated industry. If there's an expectation that you're going to receive special treatment, now I'll say that the flip side for the guys is that they make the jobs easier ergonomically so they actually outfit things and make them so i think they've benefited from women being in the industry because they're making changes to make the jobs um able to you can do it both yeah you can a man or a woman can do it and so they've benefited from that i was in operations so we were in the trenches and we got super dirty every day and it was not i told my dad i want a job where i can make a lot of money i don't have to work a lot (laughs) and i don't have to dress up and i got that (laughs) so i was able to wear my the coveralls and i was able to um you know work only i worked the canadian shift so i worked the Canadian 14 shift. days okay so i worked seven days seven nights i actually had more time with my children working as an operator in the industry and i was able it was very good pay plus i got an extra you know overtime i would come in early and work pick up overtime for other things so whenever there was something I was a single mom and uh, the passion that i have for the industry that we are both in is that it provides a tremendous opportunity to increase your standard of living, to help people. There's great paying jobs, and if you're willing to maybe sweat a little bit or be inside and outside, I like the variety. I liked when you work the Canadian shift, you really only see your boss maybe four (laughs) days a month. You know, you see him nights nights and weekends, he's not there. He's certainly, so him or or her, you only see him... Uh, infrequently so I like that part of it but there was a lot of camaraderie and every single unit of every single plant had a different culture a different personality and so as we traveled through and and repaired instruments across the plant you got to know people and and um, it 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 was a tremendous family environment bonding you had each other's backs and so I never once felt unsafe even being on the fire squad and responding to incidents and accidents i never once felt unsafe in the facility there's so much interlock circuitry and engineering that's there to protect the environment the equipment the people there on the facilities so it's it's a great a great industry well i wish we had more time to talk about it because y'all are fascinating (laughs) and you have so many wonderful stories kathy trahan and jamie glass y'all are extraordinary women doing wonderful things and bringing products and services to keep the industrial workplace safer not only in louisiana but around the world so we appreciate that and your stories have been so inspiring thanks for being here today on out to lunch thanks for having us thank you my guests today on out to lunch have been kathy trahan of the alliance safety council and jamie glass of hot works you can find out more about the alliance safety council and hot works by going to our website it's batonrouge.la the producer of our show is grant morris our technical producer is eric merle our associate producer is peter raschuti and our baton rouge business consultants are charlie d'agostino and ann edelman 
If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsbatonrouge.la, and on our It's Baton Rouge Facebook page. These photos were taken by Carrie Hosford, and you can find more of Carrie's photos at carriehosford.com. You can hear this show and past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts and at itsbatonrouge.la. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Out to Lunch Baton Rouge Thanks for is recorded me. live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily 11 to 2, for dinner lunch. nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by the Alliance Safety Council, delivering instructor-led on-site computer lab and online training through more than 100 authorized training providers in 31 states and two countries. Headquartered in Baton Rouge, Alliance is focused on the future of learning technology and training process innovation for business and industry, for safety, and other corporate training needs. More information is at alliancesafetycouncil.org and by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, and Orange Theory Fitness, delivering fitness results for a healthier world.